Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to DNF. I am Spencer Hall. I am joined as always by Jessica Smetana. This is the podcast where we discuss all things Formula One. Uh, and by all things, I mean anything attached to it that we really damn well want to discuss. Jessica, I understand you have something for me to see that we're going to start with. Spencer, something happened during the British Grand Prix yesterday mm-hmm. that I immediately knew had your name written all over it. Yes. And I didn't know if you had seen it or not because I follow you on Twitter and, and we text during the races and you didn't say anything about it. So am I to understand this is the first time you're hearing of the Damien Lewis saxophone national anthem from before the race yesterday? Uh, yes, this is the first time I am hearing of it. We talked a little bit about it in pre-race, uh, pre-show. Other than that, I know absolutely nothing about it. Would you like me to just sample it for the first time live here yeah. on DNA? Yeah. All right. I'm sending you, I, I sent you a tweet. It has mm-hmm. the uh, audio in it. I think the entire, okay. it, it's giving uh, NBA All-Star Game Fergie vibes to me. Okay. Um, I don't know if the Brits were too polite as to not like criticize it uh, yes. as it happened because I didn't see a lot of insults on my timeline, but I want your honest reaction to this entire thing because it was the highlight of the race for me. Oh, God, there's a saxophone. There's a saxophone. That's really bad. We're off to a good start. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, man. The, the Brits are holding this together, and I think that's very polite of them. <laughs> um, nobody's reacting. Yep. I th- I think they're all the best lad for that, because I would have been laughing my ass off, I think. What? What on... What kind of a lounge singer? They threw this together in like three seconds. I know they did. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they rehearsed. I, I 
truly don't know how this came together. I tried to Google. I was like, is he in a band? Like, why? Why Damien Lewis? Like, I know him from Homeland. I know he's British. Uh He's he's on billions. What is the other? That's Bobby for billions. Connection here, <laughs> right? Uh, Band I, of Brothers, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the the Times the Times has a headline: Why we're all shook up by Damian Lewis and his version of God Save the King. Uh, yeah. This so is this a- this there, people are writing stories about this because when I looked yesterday, I didn't see very much written about it, and so I thought, Am I an asshole? Am I Am I reading this wrong? Um, but I'm, does, I'm glad the Brits are picking ha- up on it now. He does have an album, uh, Mission Creep, which came out. Hmm. Uh, so he does fancy <laughs> himself a singer. Um, and I'm glad he does. I don't think other people do necessarily. But uh, it is described as a warm, rich debut covering a broad spectrum from folk rock to folk rock. Yes, um, this sounds that like... That doesn't... That's... But, I'm, like, if it was a good album, the the review would be like, the songs are really good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't an say incredible that. effort, as opposed to, <laughs> what a lark. Yeah, I didn't know Damien Lewis can sing, and I'm still waiting on proof of that, because this sounded like karaoke. <laughs> and I mean that, like, you can carry a tune with karaoke. Like, Jessica, can you carry a tune with karaoke? You're like, oh, I'm a confident I karaoke singer. Oh, karaoke, yeah. Yes. But you could sing it, and it would be like, ah... That person can carry a tune. I didn't say that they could take the tune, put it in a plane, make it soar. I mean, you can literally tote it from from one line to another. Correct? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and like the American national anthem, famously very difficult. There's key changes. Yeah. Um, people struggle with it. The British national anthem kind of hits one note, right? <laughs> well, it's in the British tradition of. Things we can sing drunk with 30,000 other people <laughs> at a sporting event. It's very, very good at that. Now, for anyone listening who's like, ah, that's not fair. I think it's a superior anthem to ours, which is... Our stinks. Our stinks. It is, it's just hard to sing. Yeah. Uh, the words are weird. It was written yeah. by kind of a jerk. Yeah. like, And it steals the melody from what? A British drinking song. That's that's what, what a it bad does. one. And the other thing, I mean, the most difficult thing about God Save the King is remembering if you have a king or a queen or not, right? Like, yeah. oh, which, uh, oh, one just died. All right, now it's a king. I fi- I feel like that would be the, the biggest struggle for me. But other than that, I mean, it's all pretty easy. And yet we had this yesterday, which I loved. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, can we just say, Fantastic weekend for Great Britain otherwise. <laughs> what a great weekend. Okay. They on Sky Sports treat this like it is their Super Bowl. And they I do. love them for it. But they go crazy for the British Grand Prix. And I get it. It's their home race. Mm-hmm. They're probably all really happy they don't have to travel to like Abu Dhabi or Singapore or Mexico, somewhere really far yeah. away from home uh, for a race. But um, they really. Like David Croft loves to tell you that he knows the names of all the corners at Mm -hmm. Silverstone, right? He loves to remind you of the Wellington Strait and the Hamilton Strait and Beckett's (laughs) Beckett's Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, Cops Corner, which we all Mm -hmm. remember, of course, from the debacle with Hamilton and Verstappen a couple years ago. But yeah, he loves to remind everyone like 
guys, mm-hmm. I know this. This shit. is ours. This is my race. This is, this ours. is ours. We can see them coming around all the way from Tesco Blinkies to <laughs> Pip and Bubble. Fish and, fish and Chippy. Yes. All the all the way through to NHS Turnpike. Yes. Like this is <laughs> all of all of the various ways in which we can like Ten claim Downing our... Street. Yeah. <laughs> all the ways that we 22 can. 22B Baker Street. I'm just naming addresses. Soggy now. crisps. See out in soggy crisps. <laughs> Like that is it is gloriously uh, British the way that they do this. I love how unchill they are about it. That when it, so they come chill. to Silverstone, it is very much yes, it is their Super Bowl. It is the point where we get the most jingoistic coverage of it. Where we, you know, oh, where yeah. it's like, yeah, it's Max Verstappen, yes, he's he's going for a hat trick and he's he's clearly he's going to be ninety nine points ahead of everyone by the time this finishes. But look at look at Lando Norris. Like that's which to be fair. That's our headline. Look. Is that why you're wearing your orange today? Your papaya? Uh, uh, as a Florida fan, I'm always kind of half in McLaren's bag anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but sure, that's why I'm wearing the orange today in honor of Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri, right? A victory for the Commonwealth. <laughs> what a weekend <laughs> for the Commonwealth. <laughs> yeah, if we had to expand it a little bit. Uh, that's what Queen Victoria said, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Britain... A strange country that we love to make fun of, as uh, Dad. Americans do. Dad, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like ex stepfather, I guess. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I'm happy for them. They had a really a very British British Grand Prix weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get to McLaren. McLaren looked unstoppable, except for you know if you're in a Red Bull and you're Max Verstappen this weekend. Yeah. Um, and the anthem was spectacular. The weather was perfectly Silverstone. It was rainy when it needed to be rainy. It was sunny when it needed to be sunny. We love that for them. The broadcast was great. But uh, we also had a very British debacle, which was Martin Brundle and Cara Delevingne getting yes. into a now an internet beef about him wanting to talk to her on the gridwalk. So we need to talk about all of these things. And uh, we have lots and lots of uh, listener questions, Spencer. But we're where should we start? Also, Brad Pitt was there. How did I not even mention? Sure, They're filming sure. a Hollywood movie this weekend in Silverstone. It was a crazy weekend for Formula One. They are. And by the way, uh, according to some, the driving rig used by the movie producers is nicer than some of the teams. And the pit layout was nicer than some of the team's actual layouts. So um, yeah. I, I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> Williams. But... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm speaking ill of Williams when Alex Albon's doing so well. I know on a British Grand Prix race weekend, also. I know. How dare I? Um, Does uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna can... say like Logan Sargent racing for Williams. I feel like there's a Commonwealth former, you know. But never, never mind. Forget it. it. Speaking of good news that we will talk about, by the way, P- P11 for Logan Sargent. Not nice. Not, not... not listen in a, in it. A... Barely out of the points. In a year of lows, we'll take barely out of the points as a <laughs> bright light at the end of a tunnel, which may just be the oncoming train rushing towards him. We'll take it as hope anyway. But I think we start, we're talking about uh, the thing that we always have to talk about, which is this. Uh, Max Verstappen won. This is 2023. Congratulations. You're very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I hate to yada, yada, yada every Max Verstappen victory because... It really is going to end up being one of the most historically dominant performances in the sports history. However, however, yada, yada 
Yada. We don't have to do However, that. We don't have to do that retrospective yet, do we? Like, no, we don't. not at all. I think the thing about Max Verstappen is like we can yada 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 him because there is consensus that he is mm-hmm. great. He is the best this year. He is uh, one of the greatest of all times already. He is in the fastest car, and there's really like not a lot up for debate. He doesn't mm-hmm. make mistakes. When he does make a rare mistake, like his start in the Grand Prix on Sunday morning, he makes up for it pretty quickly. Yeah. Even though like the McLaren, it it was you know, there was a battle there. Like yeah. it was really fast. He, he won by not a very big margin this weekend because of safety cars and tire dag and all of that, but he still won very handsomely and he's the best. Like there's not a lot there to debate. So we can move on. Yeah. I think. It, yeah. Not quite yada yadding, but we'll just go ahead and say, granted, granted, granted. Yes. Don't do the thing that I've already seen people doing where they say, Ooh, McLaren, on rushing towards them, actually challenging Max Verstappen for three seconds during the race for, you know, three to five laps. Could this be them catching up to the rest of the... Don't do this to yourself. Don't. There, There's no catching up. There is no drama. There will only be marginal improvements and these kind of little stories that we have where we say, wow, good for McLaren, continued improvement, looking towards 2024. Every one of these storylines that we discuss. For the moment, as long as Max Verstappen is running that far out of things, can be read with an implied looking toward 2024, okay? Or maybe not implied, maybe an explicit one, as Toto Wolff said after the race when he said, yeah, the Diva 2.0 isn't doing it. Um, Y'all know that we're basically on to 2024. That's that's it. Like, he can't say it Mm -hmm. enough times. It is nice that Mercedes did real well uh, in this race and had a pretty strong performance, top fives. For both drivers. However, that's not the story. Okay. So whatever we're discussing right now um, will only apply to right now with the implied um, y'all 2024 is the actual drama. That's what we have to assume. But, but in terms of like satisfying micro stories, McLaren coming from the depths, McLaren coming from looking like at one point, I think they looked like the second worst program on track this season i think they were maybe statistically the slowest car yeah. a, in a, at least the first few races like they were back of the pack i mean it was disastrous mm-hmm. it was a- as bad as you could get for a team with that kind of track record lineage and expectations coming out of 2021 2022 and yet and yet we see lando norris lando norris podium second at one point leading this race and actually giving Max Verstappen a what for for several laps. A real thing that happened after all of that misery. And on top of that, after Oscar Piastri coming along and maybe giving some people some hesitation about the switch to him as McLaren's number two driver in the offseason, him coming along and him getting a P4. And looking as good as he did and overcoming everything that he's had to experience this season. That's, to me, the story of this race is McLaren on home soil, on, on the scepter dial itself, putting up a two and a four. That That's damn impressive. Yeah, and I think uh, what was the most impressive about Lando's race was his defending against Lewis Hamilton, too. Oh, yeah. And Lewis said after the race that... 
the McLaren's straight line speed was just so fast and there was just no way he could get around him. But there was a real battle there for a while for uh, between Lando and Lewis Hamilton, you know, one of the greatest Formula One drivers of all time. And, and Lando really held his own and it was super impressive. And I think if there hadn't been the safety car when it was because Piastri had already mm -hmm. just pit, he probably would have gotten that third place finish. And so we would have had a double McLaren podium for the first time since Monza when Daniel Ricciardo and yeah. Lando Norris were on the podium together in 2021. So it was a humongous weekend for them. And I think you can't really look at the story of this weekend without remembering what the McLaren team has been saying for the last like six months or so, which was that, you know, this upgrade was going to be the real moment when they were, you know, really battling with what they knew they needed to compete this season. And it's unfortunate that they weren't able to get this ready by, you know, the first race of the season because they, they weren't on the right track early enough to do it, but now yeah. they finally are here and we're getting a little glimpse at like what they've actually been working on and where they could be by the end of the season going into next year when the competition is going to be open again and we don't have a, a, a champion in first place already with right. a hundred point lead on everyone else. So I think it does really set up an exciting um, second half of the season for the middle field. I, Lando, I think uh, I think he's in sixth place now in the driver's standing, somewhere around there. But McLaren already has bounced up to fifth in the Constructors' Championship. Mm -hmm. Actually, I might be wrong. Lando might be like seventh or eighth. I don't remember off the top of my head. But he, I, the points he got this weekend were massive, considering uh, they have been hard to come by. So uh, it was a huge weekend for them. It could have been even a little bit bigger had there not been that safety car. But um, we had one question from a uh, listener who said, is McLaren going to push like this for the rest of the season? I think so. I think that they think that they're up there with the Mercedes and the Aston Martins and they're going mm -hmm. to be strategizing for a podium and not, you know, sitting back in, in 12th or 13th trying to figure out what the hell went wrong. They've, they've got to figure out how the tires work in all of this. I think there was some disagreement on like softer hards at the end for Lando, but yeah. I mean, besides those things, like there's no reason why they can't. If this is the, the top line speed that they're able to get with this upgrade, like there's no reason not to do that. On high speed corners, too. That's yeah, the, that's yeah. the thing where you go, okay, well, so can, fast. This, can this thing roll? Well, this is a track that really favors high speed aggression as opposed to some of the slower tracks where we're going to talk more about handling yeah. and about, you know, cornering and um, maneuverability. This is one where this car is, you know, if this is what this car is good at, then the potential is, to me, very, very promising for at least an amount of intrigue, right? Like at this point, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for improvement and amount of intrigue and storylines that continue beyond the horizon. McLaren's offering that right now, if that's what mm -hmm. they've got. Are they going to backslide? Just prepare yourself for a backslide because Hungaro rings a very different kind of track. Yeah. Right then, then Silverstone. You're not. Pro I, I doubt you'll see the same kind of performance there because it doesn't seem like that the car and Hungary are going to get along quite as well as the McLaren and Silverstone. But still, but still, that's the kind of intrigue you want. And remember, it's a zero sum game. Um, in other words, um, if McLaren is the dog biting at the pant leg, then somebody else is the ass getting a piece chewed out of it. In this case. <laughs> Uh, that might be several teams. Aston Martin, it was a disappointing outing for them, especially because yeah. you can see Aston Martin's building from the entrance to Silverstone. It's right there. It's tough. It is their literal backyard. It is their home island. It is uh, their home track. And this is not where they wanted to end up, particularly, again, Lance Stroll. I think within variation, we can say that, you know, 
Fernando Alonso himself said it after the race. They're ahead of where they thought they would be, and they're pretty happy about it. Lance Stroll, continuing to struggle, gets a five-second penalty following a late race altercation with, I believe, Pierre Gasly uh, yeah. of Alpine. Uh, a penalty that he was not happy about. I think they were disappointed in how they did. I think as bad as they were, or as how's this, as disappointing as they were, I can't say they were outright bad. There was a team that was outright bad that... Does it start with an A and rhyme with Alween? Um, okay, so there were two teams that were outright bad, <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> oh, wait, were you thinking of a different one? <laughs> oh, I was thinking of a different one. Which one were you thinking of? I was thinking of one that once again could not get out of their own way and suffered a mysterious... Uh, Ferrari. Fainting spell down the stretch. That's correct. I was thinking of Ferrari. Why do you think Alpine had a bad day? This is sometimes, you know, when a judge asks questions like, why do you think this dog has rights? Like, that's what I'm asking right here. <laughs> I know the answer. I just want you to say it. Why do you think Alpine had a bad day, Jessica? Well, they've been having a really bad season. So there was an early retirement from Esteban Ocon during the mm. race, which is never a good sign. And they've already had tons of upheaval with... Um, people in charge saying that certain people maybe need to start getting fired mm -hmm. because they're not doing their jobs properly. So then when you go into one of the marquee events in the entire sport, which is Silvers, and I think you put it on a pedestal probably with like three or four other races and that happens, it's it was super disappointing for them. Um, not at all the weekend that they wanted coming into the British Grand Prix, but also pretty par for the course with the season that they're having. Yeah, I think they had the worst. Like, I, I want to say bad for Ferrari, and it's bad for different reasons. But Alpine had absolutely the worst performance because a DNF in last, you, you don't, there's only one way to do worse than that. <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and, and it's the double DNF. And as much as we appreciate the tribute to the title, uh, it's not where you want to be racing wise. And I almost feel like it's not fair to say, you know, like when you're talking about Alpha or when you're talking about Alpha Tari, these are two teams that I think ever in Haas, we're talking about, you know, these are teams that are at this point resigned to occasionally flashing during qualifying, maybe sometimes stealing a point or two at the top 10 angle. Um, Williams sometimes falls into that category. Ferrari, though, among teams that are actually allegedly competitive. Allegedly. Uh, con continues continues to refute to our faith in switching management. Like this is... Ferrari, you're devastating for middle management, is what I'm saying. You're devastating for everybody who thinks you can actually fix a problem by firing somebody. And I hate that, because I like firing people. I'm the kind of sports fan, I'm like, you know what made me feel good? If you fired that guy. That'd make <laughs> me feel great. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I I am absolutely... I, I was aghast at just how, at how weak Ferrari looked down the stretch. And I yeah. know everybody forgot what tires were in this race. There was kind of this late stage late race anxiety over we go softs we go hards right and it bunched up the top three in, in terms of in terms of tire degradation and tire choice but ferrari had no idea what to do down the stretch right and none and of it worked when your car is performing inconsistently it is hard mm -hmm. to create strategy around the 
types of tires to use. And that was yeah. what partially what Carlos Sainz was saying after the race, like the conditions were difficult. It was a 50, 50 call and, and they got it wrong. Um, and, and I get that, but the inconsistency of the car then has like all these compounding ripple effects, effects that, yeah. yeah. And you go from, I think fourth and fifth and qualifying to ninth and 10th at the end of the race for both Ferrari cars. So super frustrating weekend for them. But again, it's like more of the same. It's like, if you can't get the car to work the same way every time, even if it's like the same way isn't great, then trying to choose the right tire for it or the right, you know, setup for a race is just, you're never going to be competing as highly as you think your car should perform because they're, they're just like guessing essentially what it sounds like. I, you know, we've discussed here before whether, you know, the psychology of Charles Leclerc matters a whole lot in terms of relative to the performance of the car like he will be more confident and he will be more consistent if he has faith in the product that they are putting underneath him and i was kind of skeptical for that for a long time but after watching the race summary at silverstone and watching leclerc um yeah dude's brain is fried when it comes to having faith in what his team is doing and i mean at almost every level whether it's strategy whether it's the technical performance of the car there's just there's not there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of evident trust there right between driver and between team as there shouldn't be <laughs> no i mean <laughs> which is fair <laughs> it's, it makes it makes sense i know somebody might want to bag on him and be like hey man you gotta overcome the obstacles right you gotta alex albon this shit okay don't Alex Albon it because Alex Albon's racing to Williams and everybody knows what he's dealing with. And the expectations are like ninth. Yeah. If you can pull ninth or eighth in a Williams, that's a right. miracle. You pull eighth or ninth in a Ferrari. You're pulling eighth or ninth in a Ferrari. That's a letdown and yeah. should be considered a letdown. Well, we have a couple more questions from the actual racing part of the race before we move on to other things. But um, one fan asks, is it time to feel bad for Checo? Um, mm. I mean, you can answer the question first, but I feel like it's hard to feel bad for Checo, but I do feel, um, I feel for him. I feel something for him, but he's mm. very rich and gets to race cars for a living. So I don't know if I feel like bad for him. Nah, I don't feel bad for him. You know what your deal is. If you don't know, if you don't know what the deal is at this point, if you do not understand that, um, in a classic analogy, that you are the Daffy Duck in this particular scenario, and <laughs> can you Max, explain? Max Verstappen is you are the second banana. That is what ah, you are, okay. and you will be treated thusly. Uh, and by the way, rewarded handsomely for it, and that you are yeah. more than welcome to eventually test the waters. Otherwise, in this very tiny little goldfish of an environment that they have, um, I have a hard time feeling really bad for number two drivers unless they are 100 percent right there with the number one that that to yeah. me is the point where if i feel like you're being manipulated out of com of competition to an egregious extent you know as opposed to like okay well we'll give the number one guy the absolute best package and we'll give you the one that is 99 as good yeah. um if they send you out there in a wheelbarrow uh, and give you an air horn until you could look. That's when I start feeling bad for you. But that's not that's Checo's fair. deal. 
Yeah, I mean, do you have any guesses as to why he's not performing at least like close to what the way Max is performing over the last five races? Like he's not doing well even in qualifying. And because the car is so fast, he's ended up kind of saving a few mm -hmm. races and finishing okay. But like the amount of dominance the Red Bull has over the other cars should seem to be evidence that he should be up there on the podium every single weekend no well we assume that they're exactly the same car Ass and, yeah assuming yeah. they're the same which we know like they're probably not you know there are ways that they manipulate the cars to suit drivers and tracks and there's certain upgrades only one yeah. driver can get sometimes that the other one can't get and you know one strategy is the a strategy and one strategy is the b strategy yeah. we, we know those things but assuming they're like somewhat similar yeah i would not i think if all things were equal i might just say this was you know a head issue for him um, and I do think there's some psychology to it. I think if you get close to being competitive to somebody and then your teammate just races ahead of you, um, he probably feels a little isolated. I think that's probably fair. You know, it's very hard not to feel overlooked, even if you're being overlooked justly. <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah. I think it's like if you're looking at them and you go, oh, this guy's doing that and you're doing this. Uh, and part of that may be by design. But at the same time. I think it's probably hard for a competitor to accept that. We've seen less rational things, right? Like we assume, oh, hey, you're the number two guy. You should just be, you know, you know your role. Be super enthused about it. I think that is true. However, I think for anybody who's naturally competitive, I could also understand it kills me a little to be that guy. You know, yeah, yeah. even if I, I know mean, maybe I, the maybe math do doesn't work out, him. right? I feel bad for him in terms of um, just racing, everything else he's doing fine. Cause like, even if your fallback plan is to like, maybe you get replaced this season and they replace you with Alex Albon or whoever the, the going theories are like your, your fallback can be to race for like a lower team, like Valtteri Botas is doing this year. And he seems mm -hmm. like he's having a pretty good time <laughs> I and think making he's a lot a of time. money to, to, yeah. to ride his bike and, drink mm -hmm. coffee and be naked and stream so like the alternative is still pretty good if you ask me but i mean yeah these to, guys are also you, super competitive so they are super competitive uh you know valtteri spends like what 20 hours a week on his bike <laughs> something <laughs> if it's strava data is to be believed okay I, I follow him on social medias and if i were like a random bystander and just mm -hmm. looked at his social accounts i'd be like oh this guy's a professional cyclist like he yeah. looks like that's what he does for a living. It's crazy to me how much he loves cycling. I and I get it. Like cycling's fun, but I, like good for him. I love when people have hobbies outside of the sport that they play. I think that's a very healthy thing. I think it would be unfair to boil the entire nation of Finland down to a series of cheap stereotypes. But I'm about to boil the entire nation <laughs> of Finland down to a series of cheap stereotypes, and one of them is this. Man, you can't stop him from racing. Whatever mm -hmm. it is, like two wheels, four wheels, three wheels, six wheels, that they're they're gonna race it. Like Kimi Raikkonen was infamous for, you know, racing boats in his spare time, right? Things that didn't even have wheels. You can't stop Valtteri from randomly showing up at an 80k mountain biking race somewhere in Ure, Colorado. Respect. That's that's just can't stop him, man. It's just culturally, it's a thing they value, which is getting on in a vehicle and attempting to take it very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Yes. We all saw Kara Delevingne and Martin Brundle get <laughs> into a uh, tête-à-tête, a, tete, a yeah. contretemps. Uh, choose the French word of your choosing for a brouhaha uh, on the grid when Kara Delevingne, the actress, was told not to speak. 
with Martin Brundle by her people. She did exactly that. And then Martin Brundle said, I'm sure it would have been what? Stimulating? Is that? Yeah. yeah. He was like, I'm sure that would have been very stimulating. He, he <laughs> did like a classic Brundle-y yeah. kind of retort to it. He did. He did. And now this, of course, is the thing that people want to talk about after the race. <laughs> now that they've done the thing. <laughs> Everybody did the thing we did, which is Max is great. Uh, good job, McLaren. Some interesting stuff with Mercedes. Ferrari's messed up and everyone else is struggling. Um, this is the thing that people want to talk about now because it's somebody being rude to somebody <sighs> else and someone else being rude in to Martin return. Brundle. No, don't be mean to Martin Brundle. What has he ever done to deserve someone being rude to him? Like, this is his whole shtick, right? So when I saw this happen, I thought it was like a nothing burger, mm-hmm. which is such a, a lame word that I don't actually like to say like who came up with nothing burger anyways i digress Mm -hmm. uh i watched it and i was like this is okay like this happens all the time this happened with megan the stallion like two or three years ago in austin um celebrities by the way this is interesting to me because there's a a different mistake brundle got this this is a reverse situation he really didn't know she really didn't know who martin brundle was right who megan or megan didn't know who martin brundle was right um, and then had somebody bodily get in between <laughs> her right? bodyguard. Yeah. Her bodyguard like stepped in. Right. And yeah. So there was apparently like a thing that Sky Sports and F1 decided to institute called the Brundle Clause. I don't know if this is like a mm-hmm. written codified uh, clause oh. in the grid like grid I, handbook. I, I doubt it. <laughs> I it doubt it like, too. It feels like an unwritten rule to me. But people always talk about the Brundle clause whenever one of these things happens, which is now that mm-hmm. um, if you're if Martin Brundle wants to talk to you, like you have to, I guess, or like he, I don't really. What does the clause say? I they've maybe turned I him into Google they've this, turned him but... into some kind of they've turned him into some kind of magic elf. Right. Like <laughs> right. if he appears in front of you, you have to speak with him or a curse shall befall your house. Like that's that's what happened. And I'm actually like, I don't think you have to take by the way, I, these are all parasocial relationships. They don't they're not real. You don't really have to take a side in this. You can laugh at it. That's cool. That's yeah, fine. right. I mean, oh, to be honest, when I first heard about this, I was like, I'm not paying attention to this. This is very stupid. And then I mm-hmm. saw how big it blew up on social media and how yeah. nasty some of the comments were about it. And I was like, okay, this actually hey. maybe is telling of something. Why, in- why are you going? Why are you going to get nasty about it? In order to say this, one, Martin, they don't all have to talk to you. Right. They don't. No one's obligated to talk to you. You're in an impossible situation. We've discussed it before. Martin Brundle is let loose in a chaotic situation for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, every single week, and no one can be good at it. In fact, he's probably the best at it because everyone else would be ranked terrible. Like, if I was doing this, you would just, it'd be the strugglest footage you've ever seen. Just the strugglingest television ever. Yeah, right? it would be, it would be terrible. Well, so, okay, I found, I found some deets on the Brundle Clause, according to Sky. He told okay. them that there have been new rules introduced, doesn't say where or how, that any celebrities on the grid must not have bodyguards any longer. He explained, it must be the, quote, Brundle Clause, and they're obligated to talk to me. I sort of like it if they ignore me, to be honest. So, like, I, his whole shtick is very kind of tongue in cheek and is very, yeah. like, I'm a I'm being a snob, but I'm trying to get be nosy at the same time. Like that that's mm-hmm. why I kind of brushed it off as like she was very polite to him. She was like, I don't want to talk to you. No, thank you. And mm-hmm. like he was very like snobbish and snide about it. Made his little comment and we moved on. And 
I get why her fans are probably upset because it was it was rude like that. But that's what he does. And I don't think he cares that he's being rude. I think that's his whole thing. He doesn't care because he has to go out and do this again next week. Right. He doesn't care at all. So like (laughs) in Hungary, where he will in Hungary, where he will probably like accidentally offend the biggest pop star in Hungary. That's what he'll probably do. Oh, for sure. I mean, he got Paolo Banchero and Pat Mahomes confused with one another. And if I were Pat Mahomes fans, I would have been mad at that too. If you've ever done live TV, you know this. It's a disaster every week. Yeah. It's just sometimes people catch you doing it as opposed to just not noticing what an actual unfolding disaster it is. I would also say this. You know, do you know who Nardwar is? No. Narwar is a legendary uh, hip hop journalist from Canada who is the goofiest white dude you've ever seen in your life. And what Narwar does is he does a tremendous amount of research and then approaches a rapper backstage and says things like, hi, I have a copy of the first album I know you ever bought because I went to the record shop and asked them. Right. With the first album. So he does this like insane research and he's Mm -hmm. sort of beloved, especially among sort of like uh, alt hip hop circles, you know, like little Uzi Vert, like hugs, hugs him and is like, you need to call me. I was worried about you. You know, Um, Oh, I've I've definitely seen this on the interweb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So Playboy Cardi sort of like stiff armed Narwar the other week. And it was kind of a referendum on Playboy Cardi because how you treat Nardwar. Is sort of like an indication of like what sort of a person you are. You need to know your mm. environment and who you're talking to. Because um, that's Martin Brundle and that's the grid, man. Like that's that would be my one takeaway. I'm like, Cara Delevingne, you're young. Just I believe she's like just barely turned 30. You got to know where you are and who you're going to bump into. And when you bump into Martin Brundle, somebody could be like, hey, don't, don't be a dick to that dude. Even if he's probably going to be a dick the other way. Because this is this is his playground. Know your context. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she was. I don't think she's a dick. I don't think she's a dick either, right? Yeah, and I think that there's like, if it had just happened and there was like no further follow up on None. it, it would have been a fine interaction. Like it would have been par for the course for a grid walk. But the mm-hmm. way that people have like reacted to her, and she's she's tweeted about it a few times. So I've mostly just seen this on on Twitter. Um, has been very very not passing the vibe check. Like this is it's a yeah. silly thing. It's supposed to be like. A very silly Martin Brundle walks up and down. He talks to celebrities. They give him nothing. He tries to, mm-hmm. you know, he make he pokes fun at them, but he's mostly poking fun at himself. And then the race starts, and it's supposed to be kind of chaotic and messy, and that's the whole gist of it. And that was exactly what the interaction was. And did he take it maybe too far? Like, yeah. I but again, I don't think he cares. And no. if the fan reaction hadn't been so like nasty towards her, then I think this probably would have all been just you know another thing that happened that we don't we we would have been talking more about Damian Lewis today but the reaction has been literally insane which is to be expected because the internet is a toxic place full of mostly (laughs) misogynists who feel feel like they have like some you know entitlement to like there's been a lot of like fan reaction that's like if you if you're a celebrity and you don't want to talk to Martin Brundle like get the hell out of F1 and it's like okay like Really, like, man. Listen again. This is why you gotta. We have just good, have our awkward interactions. This is why you gotta have good people, man. Somebody's gotta be on Cara Delevingne's side and be like, "Yeah, no, you should, you should probably at least say hi to that guy." Let that's yeah. it. You know, know know where you are. Don't pretend you're. Don't make the party about you, and uh, unless it is about you, which frankly, the grid is mostly about Martin Brundle from a TV perspective. 
That's true. Well, there was one other celebrity thing that happened this weekend. I don't know if you've been paying attention to Brad Pitt at all, but uh, he's filming a racing movie and Mm -hmm. the tag. Well, all I can really find out about this movie from IMDb is that, quote, follows a Formula One driver who comes out of retirement to mentor and team with a younger driver, end quote. And it's in Mm -hmm. pre-production. So they were filming it at Silverstone. Uh, Will you watch this movie when it comes out? Yes, I will. And... I will probably have all sorts of uh, all sorts of lack of critique about it because when I enter a movie, I, I don't expect anything to be super accurate. I know there's an entire wing of F1 fans that are going to complain about the tire composition in this film. That that's absolutely <laughs> going to happen. Somebody will be like, "That's not fair. That's not accurate. I don't really care. Lore accurate. I'm not particularly interested. Sure, I'm like, I'll watch any footage of something going super fast. That seems awesome." Yeah, I mean, as long as it's shorter than Ford versus Ferrari, I'll watch it. That movie was an hour too long, but yeah, that, I'm excited. That, I'm excited that all the F1 drivers are going to be like background characters in it. Oh, it, that's again, that's another thing too. Don't you want to see that? Don't you want to go ahead and get jokes off about this? It really can't be. Uh, I think a super fun movie. Right? Like, it's probably more on the drama side, because I just don't know if F1 lends itself to comedy. But but Brad Pitt has been doing, like, comedy action roles for a while now, right? Like, did you yes. see Bullet Train? Yes. I'm thinking it's going to have, like, Bullet Train comedic uh, action sequences in it. This leads me to ask you, mm-hmm. I need you to just go ahead and give me the two drivers that you would need who you think would probably be the best on screen mm-hmm. for cameos. Charles, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um definitely not lando i don't think he could play it straight i I think he's too he's too giggly to act um maybe lewis i mean lewis has enough proximity to stardom Mm -hmm. that i think he's acted in commercials he's modeled i think he'd Mm -hmm. be pretty good on screen yeah i'm gonna take george russell playing nothing but george russell if i can have Mm. george russell being as naive as possible that is what i would want like large naive george russell and additionally, I would go ahead and take, uh, I would take Valtteri, but Valtteri, again, can only play himself. I need him to be as flat as possible. You know what I was just thinking? Maybe this is too conspiratorial, but maybe the Damien Lewis national anthem was for the Formula One movie and they were filming it to put in the movie and he's in the movie and there's some sort of like comedic mm-hmm. relief by him doing it. Yeah, because that's really still the only explanation I can think of for that entire uh, debacle. I'm ba- basically Spencer. The beginning of this race was a hot mess because <laughs> you had that gridwalk thing happen, shit hit the fan, and then you had this weird sax going on, and all of the nice British men just stood there and didn't laugh. It was a hot mess. Um, yeah, that and then is... Lando took the lead of the race. If you wonder why the British are the kings of cringe humor, this is why. It felt like a Monty Python sketch, honestly. Uh, I want to discuss something that was controversy-free, which is from Omar brings up, ahem, please discuss, and then links to a tweet to an F1 Insider article about Daniel Ricciardo replacing Nick DeVries during the summer break. Prior to Silverstone, we would have probably, uh, no, definitely said Logan Sargent was the most disappointing of all of the rookies to this point a p11 at least shows some life it shows a pulse for his candidacy to maintain his status as an f1 seat holder nick devries 
not quite the same story. Yeah, well, there's been a ton of um, Helmet Marco has made comments on podcasts about him not having the juice and being wrong about him. And there's been a lot of rumors about this. So like usually when there's smoke, there's fire, I guess. But I like this would be a pretty big deal. Like he's he's a little bit older than a lot of the other rookie drivers, but it's still the you know first half of the season to have made a, a decision on it by now, I think is pretty shocking to not at least give the guy like a full year to race but um i don't know why what do you do you think it's do you think it's fair no i I don't think it would be fair at all i think you would give somebody a full season if you want it to be truly fair also i don't know what in particular you are gaining by switching drivers at this point um does you know is the team that desperate for social media likes do they need a podcast like that to me is what you're offering when you say you're going to trade out Nick DeVries, who has still growth potential as a driver, with Daniel Ricciardo, who is, I think, a known and limited quality as a driver. Right. Well, we've seen we've seen the ceiling, I think, on Daniel Ricciardo, and it's pretty high. It's higher maybe than Nick DeVries is. So, like, is he a better driver? Like, I think so. I think he's got more experience. He probably... Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's like it's hard to even consider Ricardo having watched him the last two seasons where he was really, really struggling and it seemed like had a lot going on mentally. Um, I, I really don't know like how to even compare the two, but um, it's I mean, it sucks for DeVries because you have to imagine like it, it would be tough to get another seat in F1 after not making it through a rookie season. Uh especially when like Red Bull, the the biggest and most accomplished team at the moment is talking about you publicly and and doesn't have any faith in you as a driver. Yeah. Yeah. This is related to the other question uh, that I have uh, or related to another question somebody asked, which I don't want to answer in full. I just want to state because it's a hilarious question. Considering Checo's poor performance as of late, uh, might it be time for Red Bull to bring back Alex Albon? That is from Brian Whitaker. And Brian Whitaker, I salute you because you, like me, will always hit the trade button. You're the kind of person who gets that NBA trade machine going and just puts all kinds of nonsense into it and switches it. I love it. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I appreciate the enthusiasm for it. I got one more question, and it is also one that I am reading just to share with you a choice piece of phrasing and, yes, Mm. maybe a take or two about it. Jessica from Ebony Navidad how does the McLaren BBL affect other small teams like Ferrari? <laughs> I want you to consider that somebody just used the phrase McLaren BBL. Like, I think it works. I th- is that the tweet that someone tweeted us that a bunch of spam bots are now replying to? Probably. If you put BBL, hmm. you probably tend to get a bunch of spam bots. Do you want to explain bots. that one? Uh, that would be a Brazilian butt lift. Um <laughs> Yeah, a Brazilian butt lift where you go and get some stuff rearranged so the booty is bigger, higher, and fuller than it used to be. Terrible surgery, by the way. Like absolutely, it's yeah, probably super dangerous. It's apparently. probably it's probably much simpler to actually add on all of the like package details and implements and accessories that McLaren bolted to an actual race car than it is to get a BBL. <laughs> It's probably, it seems way safer to me for everybody involved. And they end up going like 190 miles an hour. So, yeah. Well, also dangerous, both equally as dangerous. Well, Mun's probably more dangerous. Yeah. By a lot. It's not Formula One. Uh, But does it affect other small teams, other smaller teams like Ferrari? I don't know if small is quite the word for an operation like Ferrari. (laughs) However, 
for teams not quite on that sort of mega industrial level as you know a mercedes for instance you're looking at yeah this is a zero-sum game when we say zero sum that means there's only so many points on the board if you take something somebody else has to lose something and i think that this only i think that mclaren improving makes aston martin's sudden gains look slightly less impressive right like they'll be it's already been half a season of improvement and already i guarantee you some aston martin fans are like we could be doing a little bit better no Think about where you were. Don't get spoiled. Right. But- think about where you came from. I think, though, that's a good point. The Aston Martin uh, pace, though, has been consistent through the first half of the season. They had a, yeah. a tough weekend, and I think they will be back towards the front moving forward. I think obviously we know that certain circuits cert, uh, favor certain cars and certain drivers, and so there's like tons of variables that go into mm-hmm. effect. And um, we haven't seen McLaren be consistent over more than you know the past week and a half i think you could say so there's a lot that could happen there's a lot of variables in play but it certainly doesn't help mercedes to have another car in the mix that is going to be competing for that podium spot behind uh verstappen and alonso which is kind of like where it seemed like things were settling in over the last few weeks settling in remember it will make things yes tougher on everyone else around which is why we can say with i think some real honesty there still is some interesting stuff awaiting us down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have next? We have Hungary. Hungary on July 27th or something like that. Yes. I don't gonna know take, the date. Gonna take a couple a, weeks. Going to take a substantial European-sized break and come back to a, another continental race in Hungary. It should be fascinating if not necessarily a mystery as to who's going to be at least number one <laughs> if not july 23rd it's margins. july 23rd yes. yeah we'll be we'll we'll be back after that right we took a little break last week for uh spencer's vacay but we'll be yes. back and we're I excited too, i too took a european size break it was lovely oh. i recommend i'm i'm gonna do that next week excellent excellent well we will see you guys for the Hungary race uh, for Jessica Smetana. This is Spencer Hall uh, for DNF. Happy racing to you all. God save the king. God save the king. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.